Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. Good morning, church. Hope you're fantastic and had a great time of worship. So excited to be able to come and share with you today. You know, I know we've been talking about revival, about putting ourselves in a position where we are passionate for the things of God, where we're ready to take on this new era post-COVID to get the past out of the way. And I know we've been fasting and praying. You know, I can't wait to see you. And, and because of uh, flight issues and vaccines and all those things, I'll be there in May. And so I'm going to be spending the whole of the month with you in May, and I can't wait to see everybody and uh, see what God is doing. I know great things are happening across all the campuses. We had a global staff meeting the other day where everybody on our team was on Zoom, and it was just so wonderful talking to everybody about what God is doing. So get ready, because the series that I'm bringing in May, I promise you, is going to be powerful. It's going to change your life, and it's going to impact our church. Well, I want us to talk about today uh, what God's put in my heart at the end of this series as we segue into a new series. We're going to look in the Bible today at Exodus chapter 17. It's the story of the children of Israel arriving at a place called Rephidim. But why don't we pray first, and then we're going to get right into the Word. Father, we thank you today for your presence. We thank you today that you want to speak to us. We thank you today that we're in the beginning of a shift forward into a new era. Having put the past behind us, we now run with full speed, with passion and a full heart towards those things you have for our church, our lives and our families. We ask in Jesus' name that you'll talk to us today. Amen. So Exodus 17 verse 8 says this. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Now, it's interesting because Rephidim is the place of rest. It's meant to be a place of comfort. It's kind of having come through the challenges of that desert. You know, the last two years have been like a desert. It's been a challenging season. And here they come to Rephidim. And Rephidim means to spread out. It means to rest. It means to comfort. Here they are, and yet they're attacked by Amalek. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us tomorrow. I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. Now remember the staff of God represents the authority of Moses. Moses who couldn't speak. Moses who had a problem with his speech impediment. God gives him a staff as the symbol that he was with him. Every one of us has been given something that represents the authority of God. Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is to stand and to hold on to something, to speak over something? For some of us, it's our words. It's our declaration. For others, it's where we are in life, the confidence of where God has got us. But God's got a staff. And for Moses, that staff represented his authority. He said, listen, I'm going to sit at the top of the mountain tomorrow while you fight Amalek, and I am going to raise that staff. And I I'm going to exercise my authority. There are times in the battles of life where we have to exercise 
our authority. And that's what the difference between Jesus and the Pharisees was. It says Jesus taught as one who had authority, whereas the Pharisees just taught information. What we need today is authority. And today as I speak, I believe the authority of the Holy Spirit is going to penetrate your thoughts and your mind and your heart and your emotions and your spirit so He can activate those things He has planned for you. So let's read on. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. And tomorrow I'll stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the, fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron and Hur. Now, Aaron was the high priest. Hur was just a good man from the tribe of Judah, but a solid, strong, mature man climbed to the top of the nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the authority of God given to him, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon got so tired he could no longer hold them up, so Aaron and her found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses holding up his hand, so his hands held steady until sunset. There's a need to hold steady until the victory is won. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Now, these guys had been on a journey from the promised land, from Egypt to the promised land. Egypt represents our old life. It represents COVID. It represents the past. And the promised land represents the future. And as you read this story, it's the only time in 40 years that Israel is attacked like this. Why is this story included in the Bible? What is God trying to communicate to us through this life story of the children of Israel's journey from their past to their future? And what does this attack upon them at a place of rest and comfort really mean? What does it mean to us? And who were the Amalekites? I want to answer those questions today as we take our way through this story. They're going to talk to you about what we need to do right now. We've just come out of a season of prayer and fasting. What do we need to do today? And we're going to talk about that. And so the Israelites uh, get set free and they start their journey towards the promised land, towards the promised destination, this new way of living, this new era post the season of being in bondage. We've come out of a season of masks and being really constrained and in a place of restriction. And so uh, it's the only thing that from outside that tries to destroy destroy them in 40 years. And the strategy of Amalek is simple. We're going to aim for those people who are not a part of the bunch, who are not in the center of the pack. We're going to go after those that are slightly disconnected. People that haven't yet got the memo, COVID is over. People who haven't uh, reconnected with church, haven't reconnected with community and koinonia, people who still may be afraid or people whose rhythms have been broken because of the pandemic, who have uh, maybe just drifted away, maybe realized, I don't want to go to church on a Sunday morning. I want to 
drink my coffee. I want to get up and sit in my pajamas. There's all kinds of reasons why people get disconnected. But the power of Amalek and the, uh, uh, the, the dirty tricks of Amalek was to target those people that were disconnected, people that weren't in and they weren't back and they weren't in the center and they looked for those that were tired or disconnected or who weren't part of the main team. And the purpose of the attacks were clear, to stop them in their tracks, to prevent them from going into the promised land, to make it impossible for them to make any progress. You know, it's an important thing right now in the midst of this war that's happening in the Ukraine to pray for those people that are being bombarded and slaughtered and under such pressure for, for no provocation, for no reason. Here they are just minding their own business and they suddenly get attacked and beset upon by a foreign power who just wants to subjugate them and dominate them and ruin their lives and kill their children. This is like the Amalekites. That's what they would do to the Israelites. They would come and pick off people who were disconnected, who were at a distance, who weren't in a safe place. And it reminds me of how the devil works in our lives and how he comes to pick off those of us that are disconnected, those of us who are weary, those of us who just can't be bothered because of how we feel, who haven't yet got back into the rhythm of life. The devil has a plan for those people. Maybe you're one of those people or maybe you know people who are disconnected, who are weary, who haven't got there, uh, haven't got back into connection and into community yet. You see, the devil always attacks at our tired places, at the weary areas of our life. Think about Elijah, having had this massive victory on Mount Carmel the day before, having run so fast that he beats uh, Ahab's chariot back to the town, but the next day he's exhausted and he's tired and just one word from Jezebel and he wants to die. He's so exhausted because, uh, uh, and that's where the enemy comes to attack to stop us, to destroy our faith, to stop our confidence and stop our spiritual progress. You know, the incredible thing is that God has promises for you, promises for your children, promises for your life. It's why uh, I really felt God speak to me about family first, to get it reactivated. Why? Because it's not about my life. It's about my children, my grandchildren. It's about your grandchildren. I want them to see them live in freedom. There is no doubt that what's happening in Ukraine is a, an attack and a fight over freedom. The ability to self-determine your nation and your own life and family is under threat from Russia and under threat from these foreign forces in Belarus and so on. People have been hired in. And there's a threat to our lives because the devil wants to slow you down, bog you down, and then pick you off and cause your spiritual life, it may not be your physical life that gets destroyed, but your spiritual life, your emotional life, your passionate life. And not only for you and I, but for the people that we know. You know people today that aren't attending church, people that used to in 2019, but are no longer connected in community. We need to understand what's happening to them, what's happened to them, and how do we get help to them in this moment? How do we as a church, coming up to Easter, get ourselves ready to help people reconnect with Jesus? You know, 
After the victory in verse 14, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. It's a pretty strong statement by God. He had watched what had taken place here in the place of comfort and rest. You know, people had come out of something and now they were resting. We've come out of something and now we're trying to rest and get our bearings and move forward and embrace this new season. And the enemy comes to try to pick people off who are discouraged. And that's why coming up to Easter, we've got to be more focused, more intent, more passionate, and be able to reach those people that still haven't yet rejoined the group and the community of faith at Influences. You see, God wanted to erase all memory of Amalek and all memory of what had taken place because they would always threaten the survival of God's people. And in the spiritual sense that we get from this story, there's going to be always an attack to try to stop the spiritual forward movement of your life and bring about a spiritual death, an emotional wasteland, a spiritual desert into the life of you, your family, your friends. And we need to understand what's happening. You see, later on, Saul, who's now the king of Israel, is told by God, I want you to destroy the Amalekite king. I want you to destroy it. The Amalekites hadn't been destroyed at that point. And Saul is instructed to do something to make sure they couldn't threaten the people of God ever again. But what does Saul do? He disobeys. He doesn't deal with Amalek. He doesn't deal with those things that disconnect, that target those that are weary. And God causes him to lose his kingdom. Now, when you read that story about Saul losing his kingdom for not doing what he was supposed to, it seems a little bit harsh until you read on in the story and you realize that there was a blueprint that the Amalekites had for the people of God. And we go down now to the story of Esther. There was a time, Esther, of course, is a Jewess and, and she's uh, now the wife of the king. But there's another person within the royal household or within the, within the parliament of that time, a man called Haman, who's a descendant from the Amalekites. And he has a plot, not just to uh, hurt those that are disconnected, but is to wipe out the whole Jewish nation. And he creates a scenario where he gets the king to, to order an edict so that the whole of the nation of Israel gets destroyed in one hit. This is why God said to destroy the Amalekites because he knew this day was going to come. King Saul had been disobedient. Now God has to raise an Esther to save a whole nation. It's a big deal because you've got to deal with the things at the beginning. Can I just say, at the beginning of coming out of the season of COVID, it's important that we get people reconnected. It's important that we get passionate again for the things of God because as time goes on, the threat just gets bigger. It doesn't get smaller. And I want to encourage you today, you know, in the Feast of Purim, which is the celebration of the victory that Esther had and how she defended all her people, they'll tell the story uh, in one of their meetings. And as they come to the part where they mention the name Haman, 
Everybody in that meeting begins to shout out loud so that name can never be heard. Because God said, I'm going to wipe out the name of the Amalekites. And so whenever Haman's name is mentioned at the Feast of Purim, everybody shouts the name down. It's pretty cool how they still do that. Now, God knew this back in Exodus. He knew that the very threat of Je- the, 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 the birth of Jesus was under threat by the Amalekites. You see, there are things in our lives that are constantly trying to destroy our progress, trying to snuff out our faith. And I guarantee if you look inside of yourself, you'll see rejection comes up all the time or disappointment or hurt. It's like the enemy knows which buttons to press in your life. And our job is together after our prayer and fasting as we head into Easter to be so full of faith, to be so full of authority, to fight those battles so our children don't have to fight them, so our grandchildren don't have to fight them. One of the joys for Pastor Jane and I is to watch our children and then now our grandchildren and see the things that we destroyed in our family line that now they do not have to endure or go through. And to be with those grandkids, five of them currently, guess what? It's amazing to watch and see the fruit of deciding to deal with things that we could have left just remaining. God, does it really matter if we deal with that? Does it really matter if we do anything about that? But we chose to do something about it. And as a result, we get the joy of sitting with our five grandchildren and loving this season of life because we made decisions back then. It's never too late to make decisions that affect your future. It's never too late to make those decisions that impact your destiny. Make them today. And this message is all about that. We've come out of a time of prayer and fasting. What is revival all about? It's reviving the passion and the intentionality and the purpose of our decisions and our lives and where our energy is spent. Maybe inside of you, it's greed that needs to be put to death. Maybe it's pride. I think one of the the greatest, if not the greatest of all issues in our life is pride. Can you be taught? Do you lean in to understand? Are you open for correction? All these things are trying to pick off. The devil's trying to pick off people with those things that are disconnected. Maybe pride has disconnected somebody. Maybe greed. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's something else. Our job is to make sure those things don't stop the progress that God has for your life and our lives together. So what's the answer? Number one is to stay connected. People get disconnected for all kinds of reasons, whether they're wounded, disappointed, distracted, a lack of discipline. Maybe COVID smashed your routines. It caused us all to be disconnected. Remember, we were banished to our homes, unable to connect. And now we have to make a decision to reconnect. We have to make a decision on purpose to make that phone call, to go out to that meeting, to say, I'm going to be involved. I'm going to do something. This is that moment. And whether you're watching online today or you're watching in the service, every one of us has to make a decision to reconnect on purpose No longer is it it as easy as it once was. It was once just a routine. Now we have to do it. We're going to help the people who have also disconnected, reconnect. So I want to ask you a question. Are you connected to the vision of the church or disconnected from the vision of the church? Are you connected 
to what's happening in your campus or disconnected from what's happening in your campus? Are you connected with your pastoral team in your campus or are you disconnected from them? The second thing is to realize that spiritual authority over the power of the enemy involves prayer and serious prayer. So first of all, we're going to stay connected. Secondly, we're going to realize that spiritual authority is what we need. Like Moses on the mountain, with his staff in his hand, the symbol of his authority, the symbol of the Red Sea being parted, the symbol of, of, the, of the plagues that came into Egypt. It was the symbol of his authority, past victories, past triumphs. And he's at the top of the mountain holding up his hands with the staff in his hand to say, God, you did it for me before. You're going to do it for me again. And that's what church we have to do right now. This is what we have to do in this season as we move forward with strength. You see, you can overpower the attack of the enemy on your finances, on your family, on your health, just like Moses and Joshua did to their enemy. Notice that Moses doesn't allow himself to get involved in the fight Physically, he fights spiritually. Sometimes uh, we get involved physically or emotionally or mentally in the fight. Sometimes we've got to withdraw ourselves and let others do the fighting, but we do the praying. We've got to do it on behalf of our children, on behalf of our families. Getting up early in the morning to seriously intercede and pray. So we release the power of heaven over our family, over our finances. I want to ask you when was the last time you prayed about your finances, but not asking God for money, but being able to declare that the blessing of God is upon your life. Hey God, I'm a tither, I'm a giver, I'm a kingdom person. And I declare over my house, over my debts, over my bills, over my job, I declare the blessing of God. The same thing over your children. These are my children. Devil, you cannot have my children. I speak blessing over my children. I speak blessing over my spouse. They are my husband. They are my wife. We are one flesh. I declare by the power of God that in this home there will be peace. I want to tell you, church, it's time to declare peace over our homes, peace over our neighborhoods, peace over our political system, peace over our, our family and our children. We need to identify when it's time for serious prayer. I'm not just talking about when we talk to God about our requests. I'm talking about petitions with requests. A petition is where you knock and keep on knocking. The moments when you need to be serious and focused with your praying. Remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, that was an important moment. And he told his disciples to watch and pray. It's interesting because we focus on the prayer part, and of course that's important. He said, couldn't you pray with me just one hour? But he said, watch, and the word watch means to be focused. If we're going to make it, if we're going to move forward, if we're going to enjoy the new season, we've got to be focused on the new season. And then Jesus says this, listen, I want you to pray so that you do not enter into temptation. It's a funny thing for Jesus to say. And of course, we always interpret temptation as being the lust of the flesh in some way. But that's not what Jesus was referring to. He was saying there are some, some temptations you should never have to experience. What was going to happen to the disciples without the prayer was in a few hours, their faith in Jesus was going to be tested. He said, if you'll pray with me, 
you won't be tested. If you pray for me and pray with me, you'll avoid the temptation because the greatest temptation is not what we perceive, the temptation to lie or to gossip or to what, think bad things. The greatest temptation is to forget that we're the children of God, that we've been bought with a price, that we have the foundation of God's favor all over our lives, that God loves us and God's with us and we rest in His grace, that He is for me and He's greater in me than what's against me. We need to remember that, but when you don't pray, you lose your ability to believe. Can I just say to you, the reason we pray is not just to get answers for our prayer, it's to spiritually build our lives so we never get tempted to question the goodness of God, the greatness of His power, and the mighty working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So we need to realize, is this that one of those times, I believe it is, where God's asking us to pray? I know your season of prayer and fasting is, is finishing or maybe has just finished, but I would encourage you, maybe you need to continue on until that thing is broken. Maybe it's time to get up on a mountain and pray. Maybe you need to engage in, in a, a new level of spiritual encounter with God so you go to another level. Is this a time when your kids need you to pray? We know it's a time where Ukraine needs us to pray. Is it a time when your spiritual progress is being stymied? Is it a time when your husband or wife needs you to pray? Is it a time when your finances are under threat and you need to pray? Dr. Yonggi Cho, who pastored the largest church in the world, remember him saying to my dad, he said, even most leaders don't pray much. And that's the truth. That's what Jesus was saying to his disciples. I know the spirit is willing, but the flesh is so weak. Can't you just get up in the morning and pray with me? They kept falling asleep. I think sometimes that's what happens to all of us. But we have to discipline ourselves to pray because when you pray, something happens. Not only does a supernatural change, but you change. And like Moses, who was a friend of God, who was filled with the authority of God, you're able to stand on the mountain over every battle and able to speak over that battle and declare, it's finished, it needs to stop. We will win this battle. Sometimes it takes prolonged authority. It takes a time of standing there and standing there and standing there until it's done. But church, I'm telling you, the things ahead of us are so grand and momentous, and yet the threats are also powerful. That the only way we're going to win, the only way we're going to conquer, the only way we're going to win in our families, in the church, in society, is through our prayer. Because prayer brings spiritual power to our being. It means God goes before us and takes the, part of the, the, the things that are in the way out of the way and makes the crooked path straight. This is why we've got to get in prayer. You know, Moses' success hinged on his prayer partners. Notice Moses didn't go to the top of the mountain by himself. And I just want to say, uh, one of the things you want to continue on after this season of prayer is to find, find a prayer partner. What did Moses do? He took Mo, Aaron and her with him. You see, our victory always depends on the people we've partnered with. Show me your friends and I'll prophesy your future. It's a guaranteed outcome. We know the story of Paul and Silas. The worst thing the devil did was allow them to be in the room in the same part of the prison together. 
because it was together they began to praise and worship God. And suddenly all the doors were opened. The foundations of the prisons were broken up. I love Paul and Titus. Listen to what Paul writes. He understood the power of partnership. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, 2, verse 11, he says this. Now I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ. And I found that a door had been opened to me. But I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. Paul understood there's a door being opened, but I can't go through that door without my partner Titus. Can I just say, most things we achieve in life, if you want to go, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, go with others. Partnership is about going far, leaving a legacy for generations, bringing change for decades to your life. If you want to get an instant moment, do it yourself. If you want to go far, and that's what Paul was thinking, I got a moment, I've got an opportunity, but my partner is not here. There's something about partnership we need to understand. Now the rock that Moses sat on, while it was for his benefit, it was also for Aaron and her's benefit because, think about it, if you're trying to uphold someone's hands and you're standing, your own arms get tired. So when Moses sat in the rock, it meant they could hold up his they meant that Aaron and Hur could hold up his arms without much effort. And that means they could extend. They could stay on song. They could continue doing it. It was an important thing to think strategically. How do we make this work? You know, when's the best time to pray with someone else? Well, when you're under attack, when you're disconnected, when you're busy, when you're lazy, when you're tired. So my question is, who are you praying with? Moses had around him Aaron. Aaron was a man of prayer. Hur was a worshiper from the tribe of Judah, an ordinary man, but a man who could be depended on. You see, our success is determined by the people you choose to pray with. I believe it's time to destroy the enemies of our spiritual progress. This is a great new season but we've got to reconnect people. We've got to help people that are disconnected, that are vulnerable, and bring them back into the main community group. You know, the power of encouraging one another. I just want to say this to you. What a great job all of our campus pastors are doing. Great job Pastor Josh and Shana are doing. What a great job our team across the world is doing. And the reason we're achieving big things Moving the church forward, because it's not about me, it's not about Josh, it's not about someone else, not about your campus pastor, it's about us. When you want to go far, it's about us. What an incredible message and what a God-timed message by our senior pastor. I'm so grateful he shared this today because, you know what, over the last season, rhythms have been formed and sometimes we can forget how important it is to not only gather together and walk in connection and spiritual authority together, but fight for those that aren't connected. So I want to talk to two groups of people today. You might be in church. You might be sensing oh, the power of God and the hunger and the move of the Spirit that's happening at the end of Revival Month. But can I encourage you? People need you. They need you to stand with them, to bring them, to encourage, to notice that they haven't been around in the lead up to Easter. Who do you know they haven't seen worshipping with us for a while? Who do you know that's had 
lots of things going on in life or sickness or nervousness about the season, all the different things that can divide us. But more importantly, you can be the person that unites us. So let's get them. Let's pray for them. Let's encourage them. I love the story of the prodigal son that eventually made his way home. But I sometimes wonder, how come the brother didn't go and find him and bring him back to the house? Let's be the brothers that go get them and bring them back to the house because they need the robe on their back and the ring and the finger and the fatted calf, the welcome that says your family, you're loved and you're welcome here. And maybe you haven't been in church in a while. Hey, rhythms happen and life gets comfortable and there's always a reason. There's always something on. I know what that's like. I've got a young family, a full life, but we've got to prioritize the house of God together. We've got to prioritize worshiping together. We've got to prioritize praying together, serving one another, encouraging one another, worshiping. We were created to lift up the name of Jesus together. You know, sometimes you just need a reason. Easter's coming. I mean, this is one time we remember more than ever what Jesus sacrificed on the cross for you and I to have eternal life, but also and more so for his church. It wasn't just for me. It was for his church. And the ecclesia is the gathered saints, not the separated saints. So can I welcome you, encourage you, invite you, inspire you. Gather together in this next season. Create new rhythms. Use this new month, the month of April. I know wherever you've been, you've probably been fasting and praying during revival month too. But maybe just not together. It's time to come back. Restrictions, they're easing. Thank God. It's now so much more difficult to become a close contact. I'm believing as we walk into this next season, be in the house of God. Let's worship and do this. This message was so important. We love you. We can't wait to see you this Sunday to worship and lift up the name of Jesus together. God bless. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met. I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about him, he loved you. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to, lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am 
in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.